So the podcast got cut off. I don't know what happened, but in the middle of my FCC rant, all I'm saying to the fans, to the loyal fans, just just don't go to games until you see change happening. That's all I got to say. So this podcast is over. I had to do another another second clip just because you guys were thinking, where the hell did Jesse go? Well, listen, guys, I'm not perfect. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It just got cut off. So that's it for the podcast. I hope you guys have a good weekend. Next week, we're going to recap UC Notre Dame, recap Bengals Jaguars. I think we're going to talk about SEC. And yeah, that's it for this podcast. Shit. I don't know. There goes that noise of that freaking laundry. All right. I'm done. Y'all see you later. Peace. we are back. Welcome back to the Preston's Night Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse Mapati. It's been about two weeks since my last podcast. I was busy last week. I was actually at the Reds game against the Nationals on that Thursday. Usually I record those. I usually record this podcast on Thursday, but didn't get time for that. The Reds lost anyways, and the Reds are eliminated from the playoffs. Sucks, but it is what it is. So it was my final time going to Great American Ballpark, and it was bittersweet because the rest, the rest teams was fun to watch, but, you know, Cincinnati Sports, they'll find a way to disappoint you. But lots to dive in this podcast edition. Um, the Bengals are playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm recording this podcast right now on Thursday, September 30th, and the Bengals are playing the Jaguars tonight on Thursday Night Football. So hopefully next week when I record another podcast, the Bengals will be 3-1 and one in our top of the AFC North Division standings. And if not, the Bengals will be 2-2, two and two and I'll be a little bit concerned. So let's hope the Bengals beat the Jaguars tonight. But let's recap the Steeler win last Sunday. 24-10, two straight wins over the Steelers. The Bengals beat the Steelers last year on Monday Night Football in December at Paul Brown Stadium. It's the Bengals' first win at Heinz Field since... 2015, what a game, what a game, and also, it's the Bengals' first double-digit win over the Steelers since 1995, isn't that crazy, 1995, the last last time the Bengals won a game against the Steelers by double digits, the Bengals' defensive line was was pretty much the story of this game, other than Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, obviously, but the Bengals' defensive line wrecked havoc on the Steelers' O-line. Getting to Ben Roethlisberger four times, Logan Wilson, an emerging star at linebacker for the Bengals, had two interceptions. This guy already has three picks already this season in three games. Like I said, Joe Burr, Joe Burr is swinging the ball lately. Well, if you take away the three picks, the three consecutive picks that Burr had against the Bears, He's actually had a good start to the season. Seven touchdowns to four interceptions. In this game, Burrow had three touchdowns and only one pick. The pick was a deflection, so you can't really blame him for that. And Jamar Chase, myself and a lot of Bengals fans, including the media, a.k.a. the experts, were saying this was a bad draft pick. I didn't say it was a bad draft pick, but with him dropping passes during camp and and then a preseason game, you thought, oh, gosh, why did the Bengals draft the receiver with their first pick in the draft? But Jamar Chase is proving the haters wrong. 
He caught two touchdown passes, including a 34-yard touchdown pass from Joe Burr and a nine-yard touchdown pass from Joe Burr. Jamar Chase already has four touchdown receptions this year. He was already named Offensive Rookie of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Rookie of the Month, but he could win, he could win Rookie of the Year with the with the way he's playing right now. So Jamar Chase just adds a different dynamic to this Bengals offense, and I'm glad the Bengals drafted him, and I think he'll keep it up. So good for Jamar Chase, and I already apologized in the last podcast for pretty much calling him out for those drop passes, but as a fan of a team that drafted a receiver with their first pick of the draft, your expectations of that player should be up high. So that's why I was a little bit uneasy with Jamar Chase during the preseason. But now he's one of the best rookie he's one of the, I think he's the best rookie receiver in the NFL and he's one of the best receivers in the NFL so far in in the first three games. So good for Jamar Chase. Shout out to the offensive line. And am I reading this right? In this game against the Steelers last Sunday, zero sacks. It's the first time the Steelers, as a defensive hole, did not get a sack in a game that Steelers have held. In 75 games, the Steelers have, have gotten a quarterback sack. And the Bengals ended that. Let me give a standard ovation to the O-line. After the O-line looked like complete garbage against the Bears three weeks ago, it just, I was a, I was already afraid that the Bengals O-line was going to have a nightmare job against the Steelers defensive line. But obviously not, Steelers did not have T.J. Watt. That played a big advantage to the Bengals. Still, even with Watt out, I still didn't trust the Bengals O-line against the Steelers D-line. But they held their own and... I was very proud of them. Very proud of them. And Jackson Carmen, the Bengals' second-round pick out of Clemson, they took the first pick out of the second round. He made his debut against the Steelers' D-line, and it was very promising. Did not allow quarterback pressure. He looked great, and he's going to start against the Jaguars on Thursday night. So good for him, good for the O-line, and you just hope that this will give the offensive line some confidence. I really hope so. When you don't allow when you don't allow a sack and you keep your quarterback and Joe Burr protected, like that touchdown pass he had to Jamar Chase for the nine yarder, Joe Burrow had so much time in the pocket. I almost cried because I was like, oh my, this guy has so much time. It's just that's what that's what the Bengals offensive line needs to do. You protect the franchise prize in Joe Burr. Protect them, protect them, protect them. So that was good to see. Tyler Boyd had a touchdown reception in his homecoming game. So all around, the Bengals needed to win this game. They needed to win this game because the Steelers have owned the Bengals. We know this for the longest time. And now the Bengals have won two straight against the Steelers. And hopefully this is a new day. And just hopefully this is a, it's, it's a sign that hopefully the Bengals can hopefully dominate the Steelers. From here on out, I just don't see that, but I think being the Steelers two in a row, it's a big deal here in Cincinnati, and I'll take it. I'll take it. So, like I said, the Bengals play the Jaguars on Thursday night football. I think it could be a potential track game for the Bengals because you're obviously coming off an emotional win against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. You're 2-1. and one. It's a primetime game. 
Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. It's the I believe it's the Ring of the Ring of Honor game. So that's a that's a big deal to honor the Bengal legends. So it's gonna be a lot of emotion in the field on Thursday night. And I just hope that this Bengals team don't come out flat and don't take the Jaguars for granted. Jacksonville's not good, but in the NFL, any any given Sunday, anything can happen. Anything can happen. So I hope the Bengals win. They should win. But I think this game is going to be closer than what the experts or Bengal fans believe it's going to be. Because I'm a Cincinnati sports fan. I, I've seen these type of games for from my teams in the past. So I think the Jaguars will keep it close. And then hopefully the Bengals, having the better players, will, will overtake the Jaguars as the game goes on. So I hope the Bengals win. So... That's the Bengals front. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, the Reds are eliminated from the playoffs. They're eliminated on September 28th at 10.40 p.m. Why do I know the time? Because that's when the Cardinals clinched the second wild card spot. Those damn Cardinals had to win 17 in a row. Had to win 17 in a row. So the Reds do end up the season with a winning record. First time... The Reds have had a full winning season since 2013. You don't really count last year because that was only 60 games. It's unfortunate because Joey Votto deserved better. Nick Castellanos deserved better. Jonathan India deserved better. Yeah, it was just the Reds collapsed at the wrong time of the month. And the Cardinals' devil magic is real. The Cardinals were average throughout the season and then all of a sudden when they beat the Reds on September 11th that pretty much that that pretty much did it for the Reds because the Cardinals went on to run off 17 in a row I just hope the Dodgers either the Dodgers or Giants the Dodgers and Giants are battling each other for the NL West one of those teams right now is the Dodgers that are going to be the first wild card team and the Cardinals will go to LA to play the Dodgers in the NL wildcard game. I'll be the biggest Dodgers fan there is. I hope the Dodgers knock off the Cardinals. The Cardinals already lost their their first game in 17 games. They lost to the Brewers. So I want the Cardinals to win the, the remaining of their games. So they get they get their ass whooped against the Dodgers in that one gamer. It's win or go home for both teams. So yeah, the Red season was fun. This team was very fun during the summertime until they hit September. And it's just unfortunate. And the offseason is going to be very important. I just don't see Nick Castellanos staying. There was a picture on Instagram of his wife pretty much saying that I think, yeah, they move out of High Park home. And that's not good. That's not a good sign. That pretty much means that Nick is gone. I hope that, hope that isn't the case, but... I think it is, unfortunately. So, I don't know, guys. The Reds, Bob Castellane, Nick Kroll, they have done the fans dirty. And we've been lied to ever since Castellini became the owner of the Reds. He should just sell the team. He's not gonna. So, the Reds players deserve better. 
and this city and these and this fan base deserve better because it's a baseball town and we just when we just we just deserve better. Damn it. So we'll dive in more into the Reds as the offseason prepares for that team and yeah, it should be a very interesting offseason for the Reds. In my head, I know what's going to happen. It's the obvious. You just hope that they'll you just hope they'll make upgrades to the weakness on the team. You hope they'll sign players that they should sign back. But in my head, I just don't see that happening. And it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. So, yeah. That's the Reds front. Now for one of the biggest games. I think it's the biggest game in school history. I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. The seventh rank Cincinnati Bearcats football team. They'll be heading to Notre Dame, to Southbound, to take on the ninth-ranked Irish on Saturday, 2.30 on NBC. Bearcats are coming off a bye week. Their previous game, they beat Indiana 38-24, come, come from behind win over the Hoosiers in a very hostile environment. The Bearcats were able to overcome a 14-point deficit and pretty much took control of that game in the second half. Notre Dame is coming off a a beatdown of then number 18 Wisconsin, 41-13 last Saturday at Shoulder Field in Chicago. The storyline of this game is crazy. And all this all this week, I've just been very anxious, very nervous, very excited because this game means a lot. And the storylines of this game is obviously Brian Kelly faces off against his old team. Marcus Freeman is now Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. He was UC's defensive coordinator under Luke Fickle for four years. This is the game of the year for UC. Biggest regular season game, like I said, in UC football history. People will say, well, the pick game in 2009 for the Big East Championship game was the biggest regular season game in school history. That game had a lot riding in. But this game, this game, I don't think people realize that if UC wins this game at Notre Dame on Saturday, I can't, the recruiting, the Bearcats having a shot at the college football playoff if they run the table on conference play, it's a big deal for this, for this university. Big deal. Especially to those loyal fans that stuck through the Rick Minner days, the Tommy Tuberville days, which I had to endure the first season under Luke Fickle when the Bearcats went 4-8, and eight, and to now, to where they're at right now. And all the national media is now spotlighting on Cincinnati Bearcats football. It's just so great to see. I'm excited. I'm anxious as hell, but it's so good for this team. It's so good for the university. And it's going to help so much when it comes to recruiting. And with the Bearcats two to three years off from the Big 12, this game... I just cannot wait. Just cannot wait. And like I said, if the Bearcats lose this game on Saturday, yeah, the college football playoff dreams is done. But it doesn't mean this team doesn't it doesn't mean that this team can't have a special season. They still can. They still can. We obviously want that college football playoff. We obviously want to run the table because if the Bearcats do win this game, whew can imagine the Bearcats' next home game, which will be October 8th, Friday night, their conference home opener against Temple. 
The crowd at Nipper that night. Woo, if the Bearcats beat Notre Dame on Saturday, it's gonna be something that we haven't that I've probably never seen before. So such a big game. I can't I can't emphasize that. And here's my keys for the game. Okay. The Bearcats cannot start off down 14-0. You can do that against Indiana because Indiana's not in the playing field of Notre Dame. Now, the Bearcats were playing at Indiana, and that was Indiana's biggest non-conference game in decades. Their biggest home crowd ever. But the Bearcats were able to overcome that. The Bearcats do have an older team, a veteran team, and they were able to stay calm in the midst of Indiana taking the first punch. And I said that before that game, that Indiana was going to take that first punch, and they did against the Bearcats, and they did. And I was afraid because that game could have easily been 28 nothing Hoosiers at halftime, but the Bearcats were only down by four. If you fall to Notre Dame, a team like Notre Dame that has a great defense, their offense is it's average. I think the Bearcats have an advantage of that. I think both defenses are very equal. But if the Bearcats do fall 14 nothing. 21 nothing in this in this type of game. I just don't see them winning this game. I don't see them winning that. But like I said, the Bearcats do have an older team. It's just with so much riding in this game, the emotions, the storyline. If the Bearcats win, you you keep your college football playoff hope alive. Biggest school win ever. I just don't I just think the Bearcats need to be aware that Notre Dame is going to take that first punch. But I, I'm hoping that the Bearcats punch first and realize. I I think the Bearcats know that they missed circling this game when camp started. They know how big this game is. They know how big it is. So you can't fall down double digits early on in this game. You cannot. Also, the Bearcats cannot turn the football over. They cannot turn the football over. Now, against Indiana, the Bearcats believe, okay, they had a, Indiana had a strip slack fumble on Ritter, and Ritter did throw an interception. So the Bearcats had two turnovers. You can get away with that against Indiana, but the Bearcats have two or three turnovers against Notre Dame. That's not going to be so forgivable. So turnovers, the Bearcats can't have any turnovers. And I believe special teams is going to win this football game. I see this game being a very low-scoring game because of the defenses. Marcus Freeman knows the Bearcats' offense with his time being at UC as a defensive coordinator. And Luke Fickle and staff knows Marcus, Marcus Freeman's strategy. So it's going to be a very close game, very low, physical, emotional, hard-hitting game. I think special teams is, is going to decide this game. Trey Tucker had a 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown against Indiana two weeks ago. I think Trey Tucker is going to be a very important player in this game. I think he's going to have a lot to say about this game as well with his kick returns, setting the Bearcats up in good field position as well. So special teams, very important. And also, the leadership, the older players, Desmond Ritter, Majay Sanders, Ahmad Gardner, Kobe Bryant, Jerome Ford. I think the older squad 
is going to be the key in this game. Because there's, there's going to be young players on this team that haven't played in this type of magnitude of game in the type of environment they're going to endure on Saturday afternoon in South Bend, Indiana. So the older players will have to get to the younger players, calm them down, because it's, there's going to be it's going to be a lot going on. It's going to be a lot going on. So I think the leadership of Dez, of Maje, of Ahmad is going to be so crucial. And I trust Luke Fickle. I trust Luke Fickle. Also, the Bearcats can't have so many penalties. The Bearcats had so many pre-snap penalties against Indiana. Yes, the crowd played a difference, but Lord have mercy. The Bearcats had like five false start penalties in that first half against Indiana. So the Bearcats have to realize it's going to get loud in that stadium. But you just can't have so many penalties. So you can, you can, you can play so much loud music and loud crowd noise in practice. It's different when you're in, this, when you're in the stadium in that environment. So penalties, penalties, especially pre-snap penalties. Bearcats can't have a lot of those. So I think you guys are wondering my prediction for this game. I've been back and forth. It's 50-50. It's a toss-up. So <laughs> I have the Bearcats winning this game. Shocker. I mean, I was back and forth. I, I had Notre Dame winning. But then again, before the, before the season started, I previewed the season. I previewed, I predicted the schedule. And I had this game as a loss. Now I'm leaning towards a Bearcats victory. But that's just my heart saying that, but my head saying Notre Dame. I can't make up my mind right now on this podcast. Do I go Bearcats or do I go with my heart or do I go with my head? I hope the Bearcats prove me wrong, and I think I'm going to change my prediction right now. It's just because I live in this city, and we don't get nice things. I've been alive for about 28 years, and I've only experienced heartbreaks in big, big, big games. And this is a big game. It's a big game. I'm leaning towards Notre Dame right now, and I hope hope I'm wrong, and I hope that next week, I go on this podcast and I slap myself in the face and saying, Jesse, why didn't you why didn't you believe in your boys? I believe in my boys. But my head's just saying, you know better. You know better. You live in the city so long that you know better. I'm leaning towards Notre Dame. But obviously, I won't be surprised if you see wins, obviously. So I hope you guys tune into this game. Like I said, it's on Saturday, 2.30 on NBC. I think a lot of people have asked me this week, should we should we be texting you, Jesse, during the game? I'm going to leave my phone on Do Not Disturb. And that's no disrespect to my friends or to my family. I just don't want to be bothered during the game. <laughs> I just don't want to be. Because I just want to relax and just chill and just watch the biggest regular season football game in UC football history. I probably won't be relaxed during the game because something's going to happen. I just hope that this game is not decided by a shitty call. That's my fear, and I hope that it, I hope it doesn't happen. I really hope it doesn't happen. But something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. But hopefully it's is for the good and not for the bad. So 
I can't wait for next week's podcast because I'm hoping that I am recapping the biggest Bearcats football victory, regular season victory ever. Or I'll be talking about a Bearcats loss and how everything is just sucky right now and, you know, we suck and all that stuff. I'm not going to say that, but it's going to it's gonna be a bummer because you just don't get these type of marquee games. It doesn't come around this often. So I just hope that myself and Bearcat fans, we can just, just enjoy this moment, this big moment in school history and... It should be should be one hell of a game on Saturday. It should be one hell of a game. So I hope you guys tune in. All right. So before this short podcast ends, because the Bengals game is about to start real soon, we're going to talk about FCC. They're already in turnover already. Um, Yab Stom, their former head coach, was fired this week, and the. And it's just a mess. It's a mess in FCC Cincinnati land. I just don't know why fans continue to go to these games. I don't know why fans are even renewing season tickets for next year. So the FCC has interim head coach right now. And right now, they, they're they saying that they have a general manager in place to take over the team. But... At this at this point, do you really trust this organization? They're fitting in nicely with this with this um, the city's professional sports teams and how inept the organization is. In my opinion, I feel like they rushed the MLS process. People will say, "Well, they're the hottest. They were the hottest team in the USL, the hottest name," and. The soccer fan base in the city is just off the charts, which I agree. But man, you're in year three, and you've looked like shit. Where's do you do you see any growth? Do you see any promise? No. So this next head coach, this next GM, it's 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 just FCC doesn't have talent when it comes to players. They have some good players, but you need great players to take that next step to be a formidable MLS team. I mean, look at Nashville FC. They're in their second year in MLS. And they're doing great because they got players, which FCC doesn't... They don't. So... I don't know what the future holds for this organization, but FCC fans, especially the loyal ones, you guys have definitely been lied to. And I keep trying to tell you every podcast that you're going to continue to give your money to that organization. And you think they're you think they're serious about changing? You think they're serious about winning? I don't see it because they're not getting any good players. They're not. This is such a great soccer fan base that really do care about their team and. You're giving them shit. You're giving them shit. So if I was a diehard FCC fan, I will not renew my season ticket until I know change is happening. Until I until I see change and I see better players. Why would I want to go to TKO Stadium? Why? 
Why? It's just, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time, waste of money. But they're still going to have a lot of people in that stadium. Those fans really, they really want to believe. They're very, they're very diehard, but they're also delusional at the same time. Welcome to Cincinnati. Welcome to Cincinnati. Welcome to Cincinnati. That's all I got to say. <laughs> uh, I really do want SEC to do well. People will say I, it looks like I'm bashing them, but I'm bashing them because I'm bashing the organization. I'm not bashing the players. I get on their fans because I want their fans to be realistic, damn it. I don't give Mike Brown my money. Because I know how he is. So, why would you want to give FCC your money? And, like, they're sending emails to season ticket holders saying 